Come at the king, you best not miss. You're not locked in this zone. Zone 32. 32. Welcome back to Zone 32. We are a skeleton crew today. It's me, it's Will, and I got Drew in his car driving to Fenway Park. Probably going to end up uh, either ramming someone or having someone uh, brandish a firearm at him. He's already gotten into several altercations before we started recording, so let's hope that, that Drew <laughs> let's hope that Drew makes it through this episode without uh, you know getting attacked or arrested. That that's that's the goal here. I haven't even gotten out of my town yet. Wait till I get on like you know Route One or uh, you know if, I, if we're still recording like the Tobin Bridge Historic Drive. That'll be uh, that'll be a fucking experience. So. So yeah, you know, this is, this is gonna be a this is an experiment. I don't think we've ever recorded this show when the sun is up. Um, no, you and I did Lacey at like noon. That oh, time, that's true. That, that, we did do that, yeah. but that was that was a special occasion. But we've never recorded like an actual like normal episode because that was just part of an episode. So uh, we'll was see how Clem, this goes. Was, was Clem at night or was uh, Clem was at night? Yeah, yeah, he was, was at a, night. He was late night. I think it was like ten o'clock at night. Yeah, this is uh, only the second zone third. Two. I don't have a drink in my hand for it too. So yeah. That's another. Thanks that's another thing. Out. This is a completely sober Zone Thirty Two, which is very Fuck rare. You, you retarded. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, sorry. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, okay. Be, uh, anyway, we're we're off to a uh, good start. I haven't said that word on the podcast in about four weeks. So, um, broke broke a new record today. But yeah, I know we we have some uh, pressing issues we want to get into. So that's why we uh, decided yeah. to do this today. I think yeah. the most pressing issue is Mark Andrews finally showing up at training camp um, or OTAs after, you know, he is the fourth highest paid tight end in the NFL. And, you know, I feel like that comes with the responsibility of showing up to OTAs. Am I doing this right? Or um, am I, you know, cause he's white. Am I not allowed to do that? Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a narrative breaking, uh, you know, observation, I'd say, you know, everybody wanted to single out Lamar cause he missed one day of OTAs. And Mark Andrews missed the first full week. He's here now. Um, he sounds, you know, his his comments were he. Uh, my favorite one was about with all the weapons in the room, uh, and there's only one ball to go around. Does he have any concerns? Yeah. And he said, "I don't care." <laughs> Meanwhile, you got um, right right before we hopped on and started recording, you read me the J.K. Dobbins tweet of uh, you know talking about how he's Baltimore through and through, and he wants to be here to the end of his career, but he's not sure that's going to happen. That sounds like that's a guy who is unhappy with sharing the ball and, you know, doesn't want to be part of a team. And then you compare him to somebody like Mark Andrews. So I'm pretty sure if Mark Andrews got like two catches a game and they went 17 and 0, he'd be thrilled. Right. Well, and, you know, obviously Mark Andrews playing tight end. He's been a premier pass catching tight end for basically his entire career, but certainly for the last four years um, or three years. When he, when did he get drafted? He got drafted 2018. Right? Yeah. yeah. So for the past four years, definitely. But I'd say, you know, uh, even that rookie year, he was, he was uh, one of the better rece- pass receiving tight ends in the league, but he also blocks, um, you know, he doesn't line up. I, I saw Pedro break down, um, you know, where he's lined up last year. Most of his snaps came out of the slot. He didn't, he did not line up in line very much at all, but we may see a change in that uh, with, with a, you know, a more robust wide receiver group. So I think he, he'll well, yeah. do whatever you want him to do. He got his, he got his contract. He is a, you know, an, an, a huge integral piece to the, the offense. And um, I don't know. I, he's not going to complain. I, I just cannot see him. He's never been a guy who complains about anything. Not that he ever has a reason to, he's always been the focal point, but. Um, well, I, and I, I think that he's the kind of guy, you know, that if he, 
wasn't the focal point and we won, like he'd be fine with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That for yeah. him, it's all about winning and all about, you know, like a functioning offense. Cause I'm sure he hates being double on triple team. And I'm sure that he hates getting killed over the middle every time he, you know, tries to run a seam or a post over the middle. And he knows that having, you know, Odell and flowers and Bateman there and, you know, maybe he'll get, I don't know, 20 less catches this year or 20 or, you know, 30 less targets, whatever the number is. But, you know, it ends up in an easier season for him, you know, less stress and, and winning football. I think he'll be thrilled with that. Yeah. Well, and he's, he knows better than anybody. You know, there, there's been times when the defense has been able to game plan to to shut him down um, when he's basically been the only option uh, in the past game. So now they can't do that. So he's going to benefit. Even if he doesn't see the same sort of target share, he's going to he's going to get plenty of action. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to get plenty of catches. It's just going to be maybe the, his, his volume goes down a tick, but I think he'll, it'll, it'll still convert. I don't know that we're going to see any sort of production, uh, you know, regression from him. I just think the, the volume in targets is the only thing that could see, you know, a, a yeah. Change. And if the volume, the volume goes down and the efficiency goes up, then that's, you know, like the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, we got to get the other tight ends involved too. So, and, and he's always been supportive of that. So again, I, I wasn't surprised at his comments, but I like them. Patrick queen was another one. Um, I liked everything I heard from him. He kind of, well, he seems to be taking the, uh, yeah, he seems to be taking like the trade rumors well, or, you know, I guess not really the trade rumors, but, but like, um, you know, they drafted Simpson, they have Roquan on the highest paid contract. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. And he kind of seems to be taking this as a year of like, if I'm in Baltimore, I'm going to do great. If I'm somewhere else, I'm going to do great. Like I'm going to, you know, play my ass off and get another contract. So yeah, well, I definitely said, like that attitude. Yeah, and he said he wants to be in Baltimore. Um, and he he acknowledged that you know in his position, not getting the fifth year option picked up, having a guy drafted basically plays the same position as him. Um, you know, you go through a range of emotions. So his sort of played out uh, publicly. Not, and I don't even know. I, I would even say that he was like he wasn't yeah, over, he overly he, emotional yeah, about it, the, but. He had one tweet, and it was – I don't even think it was words. I think it was emojis. He said sheesh. And like, I think he said sheesh. Oh, he said sheesh, yeah, maybe. But, you know, people obviously ran with that. And, like, he put himself in that position. But also, again, he kind of owned it. And you could be Patrick Queen in this situation who handled it correctly, or you could be Chuck Clark, you know what I mean, who, yep. who cried about it. So, right, right. again, we have a lot of guys on this team who seem to handle those awkward spots pretty well. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of, you know, what you need to do to have a winning football team is you, you need the, the right attitude. And it seems like a lot of our guys have the right attitude this year for the first time yeah. in, uh, in a long time. This time last year, remember it was like, I think, um, when Steve Bishotti did his, did that interview last year and he said, first he made the comments about the Watson deal and those ruffled pe some people's feathers. Cause basically it was him saying like, we're not going to give that, that contract out. So anybody who thinks we are should should probably you know uh rethink that but he also said he just wanted like drama free i'm pretty sure he's the one who said that right he just wanted the yeah that, be was, drama that was free him and the then team. it got and it got very yeah dramatic. because the uh, yeah it got very dramatic because people were like well steve it's only drama because you won't sign lamar and then it just all spiraled from there right yeah no i think we're in a, a, such a different place you know right now it's june 1st so Last June first, lot lot was up in the air. This June first, uh, you know, we have what everyone, not just in Baltimore, though, you know, national media is calling a Super Bowl contender team. We have a lot of guys uh, showing up for OTAs, and sounds like they're excited and optimistic, and just the the whole vibe around the team is completely different.
um, you know, 365 days later. So that that's a, a nice place for us as fans to not have to be overanalyzing everything, even though people still do. Like everybody seems excited for the season to start. Whereas I feel like last year it was kind of like, uh, you know, everybody kind of had something to prove. You had the Lamar contract hanging over people's heads. You had the owner come out talking about not wanting drama. You had, you know, Chuck Clark before the year, who was supposed to be a leader, was requesting trades, talking about how he felt disrespected. Like, you just have a whole different vibe. And it's like a good vibe. It's not a, you know, it's not a we're tanking. It's not a, you know, like people, people don't doubt the Ravens anymore. People know the Ravens are a good team and they're kind of acting that way, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now there is one, you know, I guess hot topic going around because since we um, recorded last week, DeAndre Hopkins, has he been officially released? Yeah. Um, yeah, because they they did it pre-June 1 because they're going to eat the cap hit this year because they're obviously tanking. So, yeah. You know, you don't have Kyler back until midseason, so they might as well just, you know, lose as much as possible and rack up draft picks. Right. So, so yeah, uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been released. He's a free agent. Um, and obviously, you know, it, over the past couple weeks and, you know, even before that, he was linked with Lamar and w- with the Ravens a lot. Uh, the Ravens tried to trade for him a few years back didn't, when he got traded to um, Arizona. And, you know, I think before we got Odell, it would be it would have been a no brainer. I think it would have been, you know, he would he would have gotten straight on a plane and come here. But um, when well, he even linked himself to Lamar, he said that Lamar was one of the quarterbacks that he wanted to play with during his career. Right. And that was fairly recently on that um, I am athlete podcast. It was in the last two weeks or so. So now that he's a free agent. There's a lot of kind of conflicting information coming out uh, about what he's going to do, because, you know, when he was still with Arizona, you know, the first thing that that he said, I think it was like in January or February, he said, like, I'll I'll do anything that I need to do to win. So it's like, if you need me to block, I'll block. And that was sort of like that felt like he was talking to the Ravens when he said that. Yeah, oh, definitely um, got that. vibe. Yeah. And then um he said, you know, like we said, he he said specifically he would like to play with Lamar. He's named he he named five guys, and it was Lamar, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, um, Justin I think Herbert. He said Hurts. Ju- yeah, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. Those were the five. Um, and so since so since he, the release, you know, everybody everybody's wondering where he's going to go. The two heavy favorites that have been talked about the most have been Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, Kansas City makes a whole lot of sense just from a roster construction standpoint, they don't really have a, uh, you know, a clear cut top, top guy there. Um, Buffalo obviously has digs and they have Gabe Davis behind him, but they could probably use another, they should probably, they could probably use some more firepower, I guess. You know, I I don't know how much. Gabe Davis is really not as good as people make him out to be. He had that one great uh, playoff game. Right. And I feel like people kind of expected a, a step out of him that he's yet to make. So I def I definitely could see him fitting in Buffalo. I could definitely see him fitting with the Chiefs. Um, I don't know how much I want to get into because I've been telling you about the red flags behind the scenes. But I know you tweeted the uh, the vault clip. Yeah. So somebody called Sarah and said, you know, like the Ravens basically weren't that hot on DeAndre Hopkins, and she didn't want to get into why. And I, I feel like it's probably the same thing that I've heard. Uh, those rumors have been floating around up here since January, since the whole trading Hopkins talk started, um, because it initially started with, you know, the Patriots should go get DeAndre Hopkins. They're like, you know, Yankees and um, Jets fans where, and Knicks fans, where every every premier guy is going to end up in New England and, you know, all that shit about Bill Belichick loves DeAndre Hopkins and blah, blah, blah. And so stuff started circulating up here, and I've now heard it from 
Massachusetts people and I've heard it from Ravens people. And I, I, it's, it's not good. And the reason why I don't really want to say it is because if it's not true, I'd kind of look like an asshole for bringing it up. Right. But there are some, there are some questionable things about DeAndre Hopkins as a person. And then there's also some questionable things about him in the locker room. I feel like those are fair to talk about because, you know, he played in some really shitty situations in Houston and in Arizona. And so the, the rumors floating around are that he's not really a team guy and he's kind of selfish and he doesn't really, um, you know, adhere to team workout programs. He doesn't really like, you know, being part of team meetings. He doesn't like, uh, you know, like not being openly critical of his teammates and his coaches. Like he's not really respectful to other people. I also understand that like where he played kind of factors into that. Like, again, if you played for the Texans, are you going to be nice to any of those shitbag coaches or, you know, Arizona has been a fucking train wreck since he got there too. So uh, that side of it, I could at least, you know, talk away, but the other red flags are kind of, um, you know, they're, they're concerning to me. And I don't know if that's like a tactic to drive his price down or if there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been, um, Bill O'Brien allegedly, and this is public, Bill O'Brien allegedly compared him to Aaron Hernandez to his face. And I'm not sure Bill O'Brien was that far off if everything that I've heard is true. Yeah, well, you know, I I I haven't heard anything directly from anybody. You know, it's all been secondhand. I mean, yeah, not, the Ravens I, are, I don't, are, are doing their due diligence here. I don't know how likely it is that they would sign him no matter what, just because they've already invested so heavily in the position. And, you know, the dumbest argument against it that I've seen a lot is and we may have I think we did talk about this before is just the whole thing of like how it's going to make other people feel. But I don't don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, you're trying to feel the winning football team. Like at some point, it's fuck everybody else's feelings. And like if you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins available at a price you're comfortable with, you almost can't say no. Right. And so now, now with all this, you know, and none of these rumors have come out publicly. As far as I've seen, like nobody has really um, said what I've heard, you know, like, you know, directly what I said. But if it gets to a point where he's, you know, we're getting into July and August and he's unsigned and like he's looking for, uh, you know, a veteran minimum contract with a bunch of, um, you know, I don't know, bonuses built into it. Like, I don't know if you can say no to that as the Ravens. No, I agree. Because, I mean, right now they have a bunch of receivers on the roster who, who are easily replaceable, um, you know, and it starts with obviously Prochet. Um, and we're not going to talk, we're not going to talk too much about him. I know he, his mother died last week, so we're certainly not going to pile on, but, Prochet... no, but even if you start, even if you start up at the top, so if you want to call Odell, our number one ride receiver, okay. He hasn't played in a year. He's coming off a double ACL. Like it would be nice to have some insurance with him. Another guy that, you know, can step up. Um, you know, Bateman's missed 16 of 34 games since getting drafted and Zay Flowers has not played a snap in the NFL. And so I feel like if you're gonna, you know, you have the option to add DeAndre Hopkins to that group and he really doesn't cost you any kind of money and it's a contract you can get out of if there are really issues with him. Like it's a no brainer to me. Yeah, same. Uh, I mean, right now, as we sit here on June 1st, it's not, it's, it's not a no brainer. It's just, you know, it's obviously like you, you give it plenty of thought you dig into it you see what his price tag is you see if you're comfortable with you know all the the whatever there is uh the underlying issues whether they're real or not all that stuff and then you make a decision from there or they and the decision could be just to wait it out and see what the what happens with the market um but i the people making these like you know strong 
they had these strong feelings about, oh, no, we shouldn't sign him because of this or because of that. You know, uh, that's stupid. It's we have we, we have like eleven million dollars in cap room and we have about twenty four million dollars in restructures we could do. So, like, there is no position or player that we can't acquire right now. Like if we need to do a few things. We, we can do it all. We still can do it all. That that should not be a, a concern because we are so loaded right now going into the season that I think it would be uh, irresponsible to not make, you know, more additions to make the team even better if we can do it. Yeah, the two arguments that I keep seeing over and over again are that you're going to hurt Rashad Bateman's feelings because, I, and I don't know where this happened, but everybody keeps quoting some, you know, mythical conversation with Rashad Bateman where they told him that they had faith in him and that he could be an alpha for them. And my, my counter argument to that is that, like, signing DeAndre Hopkins does not at all inhibit, you know, Rashad Bateman from being a number one wide receiver. If he's the, um, you know, if, if he shows out on the field, like, he's he's going to be your number one wide receiver. So it doesn't matter if you have De- DeAndre Hopkins there or not. Like, he's going to, you know, if he plays well, he's going to earn that spot. He's going to earn those targets. He's going to earn those snaps. Um, you can also look at like, you know, Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I think he only played like 30% of the snaps for the Vikings last year. So it's not like, you know, Rashad Bateman to put up great numbers and be a great wide receiver has to be on the field all the time. Um, you can work through some kind of rotation. You can have a lot of guys who are really good who need the ball. And then the other argument that people keep using is that we need edge rushers and we need cornerbacks. And that makes no sense to me because, you know, you're not going to go out and pay a Leonard Floyd $11 million. Like the guys that are available on the market right now don't cost that kind of money that it would stop you from getting Hopkins. Yeah, no, definitely. That's what that's what I mean. Like, you know, probably we can't do it all with with the cap space that we have now. All those things, but we have we have moves to make, and, and like I said, we can get any player that's available, and it's not and and still go into the, the season with you know plenty of cap room. And and I'm just the, the people who make these arguments. It's just like it's the same as when we were talking about couple years ago like signing julio jones or trading for julio jones or whatever the case may be but like people who are like oh no uh and they're back then their reason was like i have faith in james prochet you know so it's yeah, just like there's a just... new day and a new stupid ass reason why we shouldn't do something obvious that uh, that would obviously improve the team i want the best team i don't give a fuck uh, you know if, if you can make it happen if you can add deandre hopkins go go for it you know I, again and I, i'm not here to like whatever's going on whatever you know his, his attitude his you know off-field behavior all his that shit i really life, don't yeah. give a fuck about it it's not my problem i mean he's not we're not signing him to be my friend we're signing him to play football so like you know assuming he's going to be available to play football i don't really give a shit about any of that stuff personally that's that's really the key is as long as his off-field issues and his attitude and you know there was other talk about like medical you know um like the PED use, and as long as he's going to be available for 17 games, put him on my team. That's really and even if it's like 15 games. You know, again, it's just like if we if we can make the team better, go for it. If it's going to be something where it's like he's going to be suspended for 10 games or something, then no, then yeah, I'll pass on that. But uh, as long as he's available for most of the season, he he represents a huge upgrade. It would be the by far the best group of wide receivers the Ravens have ever had, and it would be arguably the best group of wide receivers in the NFL. You know, I mean, the the Bengals probably have an argument still to be better, I guess, because they're younger. But I mean, with that group, four guys that good on one team is just unheard of. Yeah. And you would be looking at, you know, you'd be like rebuilding the uh, the Tampa offense that won the Super Bowl that year. 
with an arguably better quarterback or, uh, you know, a more dynamic quarterback. Um, right. You know, Zay Flowers could be your Antonio Brown. I mean, again, you have Evans and Godwin, you know, clones with Hopkins and uh, Modell. Like it would just be that, that offense. You couldn't stop that often. It would be unreal. And again, like I'm not talking about going out and throwing DeAndre Hopkins like a, you know, two-year, $40 million contract to make him like a, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. But if you can get him within reason, there's no reason to not do that. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I feel like yeah, there was something. I feel like our, I feel like our fans are broken because uh, um, this is the first time in, you know, I, honestly, a really long time that there have not been major questions going into the offseason, you know, going into this point in the offseason with this team. Like, yeah. you know, every year it's, it's been, uh, oh, my God, is this, you know, is OA going to work out? You know, we don't have any wide receivers. We don't have any, you know, our corner is going to be fine. You know, our running backs are all hurt. Like, we, we've always had some, you know, major flaw in the team. And really right now it looks like like left guard is the biggest question. And it's yeah. not really a do we have, you know, do we have talent to start there? It's uh, who's going to win that starting job. Yeah, well, and, and all I saw was a picture, but. Ben Cleveland looks like he's in really good shape. So that's a, a good sign. Yeah. And again, I, I've, I've read a lot about Greg Roman's offense being, you know, tough to grasp for running backs and offensive linemen. And that's why, like when we brought in Le'Veon Bell last minute and we brought in uh, Deontay Freeman last minute and Latavius Murray and all these guys, like they, they struggled out of the gate because they couldn't pick up the offense very quickly. And I wonder if that was part of the problem with Cleveland is that, you know, Greg Roman was asking too much out of him or that offense asked for too much out of him. And maybe Munkin can simple, simplify things for him. And now you have, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber left guard that you drafted in the third round a couple of years ago that you expected. Yeah. And I mean, it's happened now several, several times that we've just had, we've had interior offensive linemen who were sort of un- underperforming. And then they, they get to the point where they're sort of like pushed into starting, uh, you know, a starting role and they, they flourish. So I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily expecting that from Cleveland, but I'm not. Wouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah, this is a sink or swim year for him because if he's not, I don't. I think if he loses the left guard job, he's off the roster. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to pay him the last year of his contract. I think that they'll, you know, look to move him and do what they did with like Brenson or something like that, and you know maybe get like a late round pick for him or just let him walk completely and save the money. Regardless, like this is kind of his his shot, and you know you have Borges waiting in the wings. Because if Zeitler doesn't retire, then you can put Voorhees right at left guard. And then, you know, he costs a third of what Cleveland will cost and Cleveland will be out on the street. So this is definitely kind of his, you know, put up or shut up year. And I'm kind of hoping that this is the year that he, you know, proves that he was worth that third round pick. Right. Well, and then, you know, next year, then it gives a lot of options uh, on the interior line. So, you know, that that offensive line. uh, Yeah, it's I guess if there's any any question right now, it's definitely uh, left guard. But again, like you said, it's not a question of like, oh, we're going to be fucked at left guard. It's who's going who's gonna to be the left guard and, you know, let's go. Yeah, Cause... because if it's if it's Macari, then, you know, maybe you need to then maybe you need more out of Flele this year or you need um, that Manning kid that was a UDFA to work out or whatever. Like it the, the offensive line is, you know, obviously a big concern for every team, but you just need you need answers at who's starting at left guard so you can kind of fill out the depth spots from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um trying to think what we we talked about a few different things that needed to be addressed on this episode and I feel like we're feel missing like we're, one. Yeah, I feel like we're missing something big too. Um I mean we made fun of the uh the training camp nerds, uh yeah. the VDs of the world and the Mike Florios and the um the three letter blogs that will remain nameless um just to 
just to uh, salvage your professional relationships. Um, there was one thing that we, I don't even think we talked about it before we started recording, but um, apparently Marcus Peters and Lamar Jackson had a an altercation towards the end of the season um, that was more, it was the, the uh, aggression was more, which not surprising, was more from the Marcus Peters side uh, about Lamar not playing through the injury um, and people wondering if that plays into him not, not being here now. So I read that that was, that was the same individual that I, I've said, I won't name for your sake, but um, you know, wrote that article. I, I feel like that guy and people like him will nitpick these stories that are aged. If that makes sense. Like, like back when that happened, that might've been a relevant talking point that there's discourse in the locker room and this team's kind of destined for some issues because there's, you know, issues going on in the locker room. But right now, I don't think any of that matters anymore. I mean, Marcus Peters was in Lamar's Instagram comments the other day talking about how he misses his guys. Yeah. And like, is he, is he going to say that if he actually had beef with Lamar? Right. Or did Marcus well, Peters see last year as a chance of him winning a ring and Lamar not being there obviously hurt that chance of a ring. And so he took his frustrations out on Lamar. Like that's, that's much more plausible to me than that there was actual issues. You know, you're in week. And I, I don't remember exactly when he said this uh, altercation took place, but I think you know, he said it was six- in January or, or late December. So it's, it's going to be around the same time as what Banks was talking about where the, oh, yeah, was, there was problems uh, going on. Yeah, the the like veterans in the in the locker room were not happy that Lamar was that, and, and p- some people call it milking the injury. Other people was, were calling it like being too cautious, or some people were saying he wasn't getting treatment. Whatever whatever was going on, that there were veteran players who ca- sort of called him out on it, and then there was like speculation that it was like Justin Houston and Calais Campbell would make sense to me that it what that Marcus Peters would be somebody who did that. Because he he's an emotional guy, and it's I don't think it's any different than yeah, and than him getting into it with Harbaugh on the field, and then Harbaugh even said like that's just kind of how it goes with with Marcus Peters, you you got to take the good with the bad with him, and then you know you afterwards you have a conversation, clear the air, and you move on. Okay, and so if you're a player on that team, you know Tyler Huntley sucks, and that's being a little bit too blunt, but it is what it is. Like they knew Tyler Huntley was not going to be able to carry them past a wild card win if he was even capable of doing that and so they know that their season kind of rests on Lamar Jackson's shoulders and you know you've been getting the shit kicked out of you for 15 16 weeks at that point like you're gonna want your guy to come back at 90 percent because you know a 90 percent healthy Lamar Jackson is better than Tyler Huntley but then when you look at it from Lamar's point of view like he doesn't have a contract you know he relies a lot on his mobility because of how bad Greg's Roman scheme was and he felt like he was setting himself up to get injured worse if he comes back. So there's like two sides to every coin. And that's like a, you know, a disagreement that if it was reported at the time, you could look at both sides of that argument and kind of see where they're both coming from. Yep. But now you're reporting that in June and it's like, what, what does that accomplish? Like what, what was the point of that whole story of, you know, I, I don't think Marcus Peters is not back here because he fought with Lamar Jackson Jr. I think Marcus Peters is not back here because he probably wants a lot of money or the Ravens don't see a fit for him on the team right now because they don't think that they need to, you know, and I I know a lot of our fans love to uh, pound the table and talk about how we love to overpay mid-level guys. Giving Marcus Peters, you know, $10 million would be overpaying a mid-level guy at this point. So giving giving Marcus Peters the same contract that Rocky Sin got, I think would be overpaying him at this point, considering what we saw from him last year, he would need to take a contract that was like, 
three million dollar base, yeah, yeah, with incentives to get him up maybe to six or seven million, uh, based on playing time and and production. But and and he might not be yeah, ready to was... accept that at this juncture. And I and also we have a lot of cornerbacks on the roster. We just don't have a lot of proven cornerbacks. So we're we're just in week two of OTAs. I think they probably want to see a lot of those guys on the field and make some assessments there about what what kind of depth do we need, really need to add to this group because how long is marcus peters there for i mean realistically so you bring him back for another year like you're just kicking the can down the road so then you've wasted another year on uh pepe williams and jalen armor davis's rookie contracts where you don't really know what you have with them Mm -hmm. and then you might get into like an anthony averett situation with them where you know you finally do give them the keys to the car for lack of a better um you know comparison And now all of a sudden they ball out and they go play themselves out of the market here. Like you're not going to pay Jalen Armour Davis top of the market contract money. And you really only got one year of usefulness out of him. If you keep burying him on the depth chart underneath Marcus Peters, like at some point you got to see what you have. You used higher picks on them. So you might as well kind of roll them out and see what they have. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and people are ignoring that we did. So we have, obviously we have Marlon. We signed presumably, you know, the 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 second cornerback is going to be Rocky Sin. We drafted another cornerback. Not that he's going to be a day one, you know, like uh, he's not he's not going to be the third cornerback day one. He's going to have to earn that. But like they've invested at the position. So just to, to people who are acting like because we don't have like two all pro cornerbacks, we're fucked are insane. You know, and in like last year, Marcus Peters wasn't very good. No, and he was coming off, a, you know, major knee He's a little bit older. Yeah. And it was a new it was a new scheme for him. So, like, I definitely I definitely understand why he struggled. And, and, you know, maybe he comes back this year and he's back to all pro Marcus Peters, but maybe he's not. And so why why did why would your season hinge on signing an unknown like that? That's probably going to ask for six, seven million dollars. That's why we got rid of Clayus Campbell. That's probably why we're not going to bring, you know, Justin Houston back unless he's going to take another cheap deal. That's why we're not going out and going crazy and signing like uh you know, Yannick Ngakwe or Leonard Floyd, you know, to these bigger money contracts. Because a lot of those guys are probably sitting on their hands saying that, you know, maybe OTA, somebody tears an ACL and now some team comes knocking down my door. So why would we overextend to go get, you know, potentially middle of the market talent for top dollar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we may see Marcus Peters back. We may not. It's certainly not going to happen in the month of June. In my opinion, it wouldn't be until closer to training camp. Probably, probably, you know, the second, maybe around 4th of July or going to the second week of July, we'll, we'll see some of these uh, veteran guys finally take deals. And then even like um, Dominican Sue, he said he, he has no interest in going to any training camp. So like, you know, it may be that Justin Houston doesn't want to go to camp this year. So he may just be waiting. Yeah. And um, I mean, he's, he's, he's old as shit and he fizzled out at the end of last year. So if it takes him not coming to OTAs and signing, and, you know, not coming to training camp and signing, like, after week three of the preseason so that he's, you know, good to go for all 17 games, then I'm on board with that. Like, fuck it. You know, it, it's yeah. about it's about winning and it's about having the best guys in the best spot. And, you know, right now we're not really – we're not we, – we don't have these massive needs anywhere that, like, we need to fill them tomorrow. Like, we have time. Time is yeah. on our side. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that we do now is gravy. Really, it's like you know we have we, we essentially have what what we are gonna roll with, you know DeAndre Hopkins makes things interesting because that's a, a high caliber player that you don't often see come available at this juncture. So like something with that could happen sooner than later. But 
the other, you know, as far as the other other guys go, Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, Yannick is another guy who you never know. He could be he could be on our radar. I don't know. Um, Jadavian Clowney, um, Leonard Floyd, Indomitian Sue, all those guys, all those all those veterans. I don't think you see them sign until camp starts or around the beginning of camp. It, you know, I don't think they're in any rush to sign. None of those guys want to put extra stress on their bodies. Um, so I, I just think, again, it's just like we're uh, our fan base. Our fan base in particular is conditioned to like want to have something to complain about or, you know, so, so there's it has to be some controversy going at all times. And really, there just isn't one right now. So I'm about like to a- go through a tunnel. And- OK. All right. Well, this is probably a good a good spot to end it then, because I think we've covered everything. You're about to drive through a tunnel and, uh, you know, it's services spotty. So, yeah. all right. Well, this is going to mark. This is going to be the end of the episode. Uh, Jake is not dying this week. Drew is dying this week, as you can hear. So uh, I guess some people will be really excited to hear that happen. They've been waiting for that for a long time. Uh, we'll catch everybody next week. Oh! See ya! Well, that was too perfect. Zone, zone 32. 32.